This is episode number 59 with Helena Gibson. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back. I'm so glad you are joining me today. I had the pleasure of giving a presentation a couple months ago for a group of female entrepreneurs, most of whom were in the seven-figure range. I I spoke on self-care strategies for the modern female CEO. And I didn't meet all of the women in attendance that day, but I will say that the ones that I did were so incredibly interesting and dynamic and ambitious and um, so committed to growing their companies. And I was intrigued by many of their stories and have invited a few of them on the show. And today's guest, Helena Gibson, is one of those women. And um, I just want to let you know a stat because somebody wants to ask me, you know, who do you have on the show? And the truth is I bring on any female entrepreneur who is creating success on her terms. So any woman that has an interesting, unique story, who's following her heart and doing whatever feels right to her, not letting the outside world dictate who she is and who she becomes, um, is someone I'm interested in talking to. But in terms of seven-figure CEOs, I recently read an article that was published in Forbes a few years ago that talked about the fact that about 30% of businesses in the U.S. are women-owned businesses, but only 2% of those companies break the seven-figure mark. Only 2% make a million or over. And so when I meet women like Helena, who is a single mom, who launched her very first business at the age of 23 as a single mother, and it was an auto repair shop, and then creates another company, which is her current company called Strut Hair Solutions, and does scale that to seven figures, she's in the minority of all women business owners. And so to be able to learn and to hear what the habits, the routines, the mindset, and the specific tips and strategies that she does share today, I love being able to share that with all of you because you may also have the ambition to be in that 2% so that that number jumps significantly over the next decade. So a little bit more about Helena before we get into the show. She's also the founder of the Seven Figure Salon, where she now teaches other salon owners how to scale their companies and be successful in the way that she has. But um, her salon, Strut Hair Solutions, isn't the salon that you go to for your cut and color. What she has created is a way to empower women through wigs and hair extensions and hair toppers and laser hair treatments. She helps women who are going through chemotherapy and have thinning hair for genetic reasons or just have always had fine, thin hair and want to feel better about themselves with the help of a wig or some other hair extension. So 
that's the way that she does empower women through hair. And you'll hear her story and how and why she got started in this industry, especially after starting in the auto repair industry. So different, right? Um, It's a great story. She's got great heart and so much wisdom to share. So let's get on into the show. Hi, Helena. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Can you begin with taking us into your story? I know you launched your business 17 years ago and um, would love to hear how you got started with your hair salon and how it's grown. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I started 17 years ago, and uh, the reason for that was I was a single mom. Uh, my daughter was four at the time, and I was looking for uh, financial freedom and time freedom. I didn't want her in daycare, and I needed to make more money than I would have made, say, I was working at Macy's and Men's Fragrance. I needed no cap. Mm. So at the time, my mom um, was having thin hair issues, nothing medical, but she was just always struggling with her hair. And she would go to these wig shops and they would put wigs on her extensions and all this. And as I'm watching, I thought, you know, I can do a way better job than what they're doing because they're not getting into the psychological part of what's going on with this client. Mm. They were more focused on the product. And And how I saw that was she would be devastated if she'd order, you know, some wigs and then they didn't have them in stock like they said they would. Mm. I mean, her whole demeanor would change, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I saw the back end and I have found that people that are in the hair industry, whether it's a salon owner or hair replacement like myself, we tend to have some kind of relation into it if we're really good at it because we see the backside, how Mm. it really affects people. So that's really kind of how I got started was um, the need for my mom and then to support my, my daughter. So I started with a little kiosk in the mall. Wow. Just, yeah. In fashion fair mall in Fresno, just selling hair pieces. Wow. So you got this concept, but then you had to source like how to even do this and where to get hair pieces from. So take us a little further into how you even figured all that stuff out. How old were you at the time? Okay. So I'll go back a little. Um, I worked at a gas station in high school Okay. and the owner there had an auto repair shop on the side. And so I was watching and ringing up the tickets and so forth. And when I was graduating college, um, I decided, I think I can do that. And and I had my daughter when I was graduating, I had her my junior year. So I actually started an auto repair shop. You did. That was the first business. Yes, okay. at 22. So you have had the entrepreneurial yeah. spirit in you. Were you an entrepreneurial kid too? Yeah. Oh, well, so the funny thing is, is I used to play store. So my mom had <laughs> bought me like a cash register. Yeah. And I'd ring my Barbies up and I, and my aunt worked at a bank in the evening cleaning it. And she'd bring me all the tickets that they'd throw mm. away, the blank, you know, and I'd fill them out. And <laughs> so I was always in a, in a store of some sort selling somebody something. 
<laughs> I love it. It's almost like yeah. you were manifesting from the time you were a child, like you were visioning a future for yourself as an owner of something. So, okay. And that cash register was ringing. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what we want. Well, because, and we'll get into this because you teach women how to create seven figure salons because that's what you've achieved, which is yeah. tremendous. So, yeah. okay. So yeah. here you are in your kiosk in a mall. You've sourced these hair pieces just through research. I mean, what did those early days look yeah. like? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the internet luckily had just really started taking off because mm. this was in 2002. Okay. And it's kind of the same way I sourced for the auto repair. I mean, I called Craig in, Napa, opened up accounts. Um, I just spent all my time reading books and so forth on how to start a business and what you needed to do. And I just started implementing. And I think that's one of the biggest things is people talk about what they want to do, but they mm -hmm. don't actually put the action behind it. So when she would go to bed in the evenings, then I would stay up and I would do all of that research. And mm -hmm. then there was a company um, in San Diego that I found and went and, you know, saw their hair pieces and what they did. And then it just kind of went off from there. And then, so I started small with that little cart. Wow. And then two years later is when I opened the store, as I started feeling confident, because you're not going to feel like you know what you're doing. And I really didn't. Mm. It, so it was trial and error. And I made a lot of mistakes, you know, because mm. I didn't have anybody to show me how to do it. Yeah. And that's like with a coach. And you know, what we do is you actually pay for that speed because you can figure anything out on your own. But how, how long do you want it to take? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and so if I'd had a coach back then, it would have yeah. been much faster. Got it. So you didn't have one then. So you were, you'd, well, and then this is why you're such a good teacher now, because you've, yeah. you've made a lot of those mistakes. So you can help them, your, yeah. your the people you coach navigate that. So, okay. Yeah. So you open your salon and I would imagine, I mean, wigs have changed a lot in the last 17 years. Yeah. Right. I would. Right. Yeah. Did they even yeah. have yeah. real oh, hair totally. wigs back then? I know they have you sell real hair. I mean, was that even a thing back then or no? Well, it was, but I didn't sell it because I didn't understand how to work with it. And mm. so when I finally when my business really took off was in 2006, when I had enough money after four years to go to my first hair class. Mm. and learn about human hair wigs. Then when I brought those in, which are a much higher ticket, that's how I had the confidence to finally start selling larger ticket items. Mm. So it was a natural so, evolution. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, right. and they probably look a lot better now than they used to too. Is that true? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, they were like helmets even yeah. then. Yeah. And, and, and with the celebrities wearing them, that yeah. made a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they've made a comeback because I think in like the 50s and 60s, they were pretty mainstream. Like, I think they were part of the culture with women. I mean, you see it right. in old movies. You see, uh, maybe it was be earlier than that. I am not obviously an expert in this area, but I remember seeing the movies where they'd have like their hair or whatever, and they'd be putting it on or, you know, or it just seemed more part of the culture. So I think that's probably a good thing that it's come back and that so many yeah. celebs are using it, like you said. Okay. So there you were early days, you scale it, you grow it, you're, you know, four to five, six years in, things are turning around. And mm -hmm. it was, where did you go from there? Well, so I started doing the education and, and, mm -hmm. and investing in myself. I finally learned that the company would only grow as large as what I knew. 
Yeah. So how did you even seek out the right coach? Because here's the thing. I think a lot of people do hire coaches, but what is, what is the recipe you think that somebody needs? Because not any coach will help you get to where you want to be. So what were you looking for and what did you find? That's a great question. Um, Yeah, you have to look for someone that is where you want to be. Um, And I think that I started with the manufacturer's trainings and so forth, but then, so it was, it was broader, right? It was Mm -hmm. more learning about the product Mm -hmm. because um, one of my favorite um, spot leaders, Zig Ziglar says, you know, I mean, if you're selling knives and you don't know how to use them, how do you expect to sell them? Mm -hmm. Right. So my first thing was really knowing my products. And then I actually at 30 went back to school and went to beauty school and got my license. Uh Okay, because that's what I was wondering, because I say I I love that when we met, I didn't know too much about your story. So this is actually interesting. Yeah. So you didn't even yeah. have your beauty license at the time. You were specifically helping women feel better about themselves through wigs. You were giving them a different experience, yeah. a more positive experience than what your mother had been going through, going through these other places yeah. that it was just a transaction. Right. I was going more into the psychological side and I don't know how I niched on that. It could have been because my undergrad was in psych, but that's Mm -hmm. how I ended up in in NLP getting certified in that because there's so, there's so much behind the scenes that happens with decisions that people make, Mm -hmm. which is what got me interested in that. And hair for a woman is so important and people just don't realize that you might not go on a date. You might not go for the job interview you have an outfit on, you feel amazing. Then you look at your hair and you're like, oh, just never mind." Or you shy from the photos. It's true. So I saw that side of it because I was watching my mom do all those things. Mm. Will you have your mom on a video on your website that I watched? Can you take us yeah. into her story a little bit? So did she, what happened with her hair? She was just, you know, born with really thin, fine hair. And I mm. guess in the seventies, that was, that was fine. Right. Everybody had that stringy, long, like hippie hair and it worked. So then when I was growing up in the eighties and it became big hair, I watched her with the crimping iron and Mm. the teasing. And I just saw her go through those things I mentioned earlier about maybe not taking a photo or complaining about her hair more than I thought someone should. Mm -hmm. And then when I had the auto repair, I mean, I'm working seven in the morning to seven at night trying to run around with a toddler. I mean, the hours just were not conducive to my lifestyle, right? Wow. So that's another thing I talk about. Sometimes you have a business that really doesn't work with your end goals because auto repair was amazing. Yeah. Everybody has a car. It was a great business. (laughs) It really is. But with my daughter Mm -hmm. and being a single mom, Mm -hmm. that was not going to get me what I wanted with her. Wow. Wow. You had a lot to navigate. This is a great story. Go ahead, please. Yeah. So with my mom, um, I'm going through the auto repair thing and I'm, I'm going with her to these wig shops and that's how I thought, Oh no, I I need to, I need to pivot. And, and this could be my, my transition because the hours were much easier. You know, they were nine to 10, say to five, you're closed on Sunday and Monday. I mean, it was just a whole different something. And that's why I started on the little cart because I didn't know, could I do it? I didn't have a hair license, but to do wigs, I'm really just selling the hair. Right. So, so I really, I'm a salesperson, but then I was a salesperson that decided to get my license. So then I could just take it that much further and start educating and, 
and add extra services that all these other wig shops did not do. So not only can I sell you the hair, but now I can trim it. I can customize it to your face. I can color it. I can do custom, all these things that most of them can't do that the client really needs. Mm. Yeah. Again, you were going for the personalization. Yeah, no, that's great. So you started setting yourself apart, I would imagine, from your competition. So um, at what point did you hit? How far into your business did you hit seven figures then? So that would have been when I moved to San Diego. So after I graduated beauty school, I realized I had put these systems in place Mm -hmm. from kind of following the franchise model to where I scripted and put tons of um, systems so that that way I didn't have to be there because I was at school. So I would go to school in the morning after I dropped my daughter off for theory. Then I would go back to the shop, make sure it was open. Everything was okay. Then I'd go back to school. One of my employees would pick my daughter up from school, take her to the store, hang out with her until I got done that day at about five. And then I'd go to the shop and pick her up. Wow. So I'm doing all of this. And as I'm noticing, I'm like, wow, I really don't have to be there full time. So then I started thinking as I was about to graduate, I've taken over the market in the Central Valley. But that income is not enough to support the needs of now a teenager. Mm. So uh, what am I going to do, right? Because at some, some, in some businesses, you finally max out. You sure. have to realize that there's just no more. It was either opening another store or just being happy where I was. And I wasn't happy where I was. So I looked at franchising and so forth for the business. And I thought, well, I have to get far enough away to test my systems. Mm-hmm. Should somebody want to buy a franchise from me so that they didn't say, well, you come in, you know, so often and, and, and you're the one that's making this business run. Mm-hmm. So that's why I moved to San Diego was to get far enough away to really test those systems in Fresno to make sure that business could run without me. And I've been gone for eight and a half years and it's still trugging right along. Wow. So is your business, do you own, because you have three salons, right? I have two and a half. Two and a half. Because <laughs> on your website, funny... I saw three locations. Okay. Two and a half. Yeah. What does a half mean? <laughs> <laughs> the third one is actually my building downtown where I live and um, people can pick up, drop off because we have um, conference space here. Mm. So if someone lives in downtown San Diego and they don't want to drive to North County, I can, I have coloring books and all that and I can sit them down here and deliver it and all that. So they never have to go up there if they don't want to. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So you own them all. You're not franchising at this point. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Right. That is true. I um, actually decided not to because by the time I was ready to franchise, my daughter was heading off to college and wow. it was just too much of a stretch. And again, it's that's why having a coach or somebody to help you, it's, I'm always checking where my values and my priorities are most important. And she has been the most important for me. So when I, I wanted to franchise, but I realized for my relationship and time with her, mm. I couldn't do it at that time. So I always say you can do it all. You just always can't do it all at once. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's so, so true. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so you've got the business piece. It's doing great. You're expanding. You figured it all out. You hit seven figures at some point on your journey and, um, you know, continue to expand before we get a little bit into more of like, cause now you also have your Academy, which I'm going to ask you about, but, um, where you teach other uh, salon owners how to hit the seven figures, which I love that you want to be that coach. Tell us more about the yeah. coaching though. So you went back to school, you talked about 
NLP, which for people who aren't familiar, that's neuro linguistic programming, um, mm-hmm. which is a you could tell us more about that. That's a very cool uh, tool to have. Um, but then, yeah. did you hire um, also your own coach as well, like a one on one coach? Yeah, so I've been doing um, coaching since probably 2013. And as you had asked, when my business really blew up was when I opened the second store in in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And when I got here, that's when I knew I needed some kind of help. And that's when I joined EO and I got in their accelerator program. Got it. Okay. Entrepreneurs organization, just for those listening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that way I had coaching. of of people that had passed that seven figure mark to help me put the extra because the bottleneck in your business before that is typically you, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's getting somebody outside to see the things you don't see in your business. Yeah. So they would identify things that I just, I I just didn't see. And so that really, and I joined them in 2011. Okay. Yeah. So that was really life changing. And then I did, um, you know, some Brendan Bruchard, Mm -hmm. you know, Experts Academy. Mm -hmm. Um, I did some stuff with Darren Hardy from Success Magazine. And so I would find all of these people that were where, as I said before, where I wanted to be. And I would just kind of latch to them and whatever they were putting out and, you know, consuming their podcasts and all the free information that they had so that that way I could, you know, take my business to where theirs was. Absolutely. And there are going to be women listening who are not growing or scaling as quickly or at all uh, as they'd like to be. Mm-hmm. And so what yeah. are some tips that you can leave them or what are some of the things that you learned along the way that you saw as the most critical for growth? Well, for this, for the moms, it was always... Um, looking at what was most important Mm -hmm. that the business was super important to take care of my family, meaning myself and my daughter, but then also, you know, how am I going to pay, how am I going to support us? But then not getting myself um, feeling guilty or putting myself in positions to where I couldn't be there for her. Cause she had a friend in, um, I think it was elementary school and her mom was uber successful. This Mm -hmm. little girl, um, her, her mom. And I always kind of looked up to her, but then on the other side, her daughter and her didn't have a very good connection because all the mom did was work. Mm. And she'd tell me and cry to me, Oh, I'm so busy and all this. And, and I think that was at a good point because the girls were only about six or seven and I never forgot that. So, so as a mom, just remember what's important at that time. Mm. And so for me, I always just put her first and just felt like, gosh, 18 years is going to go by so quick. And then I can do all those other things I want to do. That's great advice. And I think that's right. I think the women listening to the show in particular are those women who really do want to have it all. They want to be so present if they are moms to their children, but then also have their thing, whatever that looks like based on the values, like you were talking about values. Um, So that's great. And then obviously you talked about coaching. So what advice would you give somebody about the coaching then? Um, You know, where, you know, where do they start to find that person that is going to be willing to work with them? Let's say they're 10 steps ahead. You know, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's different kinds of coaching from what I've noticed, like with um, the accelerator program through EO, you already have to be at a certain dollar amount, like Mm $250,000 because there's, 
different um, problems that you have. So if you're starting like with a um, network marketing program, which I think are amazing, something like um, Arbon or Isagenics or any of those kinds of things, you would look for a coach that is an expert in MLM, MLMs. Or if you're starting a brick and mortar business like mine, you would find someone that is successful in that or service-based business. So I would really just Google online where you're trying to go, what type of business you're trying to launch or have, so you can find somebody that's um, ahead in that space. And maybe not going after somebody 10 steps ahead, but maybe just five, because Mm. anybody that's ahead can teach you something. Mm. Such good advice, Helena. Okay. So at some point you you did want to pay it forward, it sounds like, and you started Seven Figure Salon Academy. Take us into what that's all about and why you started that. Sure. Um, Because I had so many people asking me how I had raised her and did and, and grew my business at the same time. And it was my friends, it was my colleagues, and they just couldn't believe how I was balancing everything together or seemingly so. Mm. And after so many requests and then actually educating for a couple of my manufacturers, I thought, why am I educating for these guys? Because all they're trying to do is get the customers to buy more product from them. Again, they're not going into the back end Mm -hmm. of the reason why somebody becomes a business owner, right? Which is why I did. You want more money and you want freedom, right? Those are the main things. And you want to help. So that's where I started thinking about it in 2014 that I could serve more people and help more clients like my mom if I could get to more salon and hair replacement owners and just more women and business owners, single moms. I know so many moms that just feel trapped and that they don't know where to start and, mm. and they feel like they can't do it. And it's, and I'm not, I'm nothing special. So if I can do it, they can do it. I think you're so special. I met you. (laughs) You have a really, you, you have uh, such a nice presence about you. You have a way of connecting and the way that you make eye contact, like you genuinely connect. I have to say, so uh, I do think, (laughs) no, but that's a, that's a good point to say. In, In other words, based on where you started and how you started, you don't need any special skills. You just need to have the desire to do it and the, you know, to, to be willing to do the work, to figure it all out. Well, and necessity, honestly, Michelle, because I was 22 with a two-year-old with the auto repair. I was 24 with a four-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. I had a necessity that was burning. I feel like a lot of people have desire and have want, Mm -hmm. right? They, they want all of these things, but there's nothing pushing them. Mm-hmm. I had no safety net behind me. Her dad wasn't giving me child support. I didn't want to be a statistic. I didn't want to go on welfare. I, my pride and my ego were so big to not be that, mm-hmm. that person. And actually, my grandfather had made a comment when I told him I was pregnant with her. And he said, oh, there you go. You've ruined your whole life. Oh. And that was the best thing. No, no. It was actually the best thing he could have ever said. Because that lit such a fire in mm. me to prove everybody wrong. Mm. It was a gift in disguise. <laughs> it, it really was. I thank him all the time. It was it was a gift because I just, I, so yes, so you have to have necessity. There's got to be something, that nail pushing you to, to keep those nice 
when, when she's asleep, I want to crawl in bed. I want to watch Netflix, mm. you know, when she was little, but instead I went back to work. Yeah. You need to have that fire. You need to be able to self-start and have like for you, right. The necessity. And even for others, even if they don't have, you know, as the same situation, being able to self-start and just have that fire, yeah. something that drives them every day to get up and, and to keep going. Um, so right. what, that why has to be big enough. The why. That's awesome. That's right. right. The why has to be big enough. So, yeah. so in yeah. the seven figure salon, wh- what are you teaching the, the people that come to you? Yeah. So we're finding their why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, when you would ask me, so why did I do that? So it was, this is my legacy and my give back because as I said, I, I started out with so many things against me that I always want people to know it. You don't have to go to Harvard. You don't have to have a business degree. You can do all of these things as you're going along. Some of the greatest people in history. Yeah. Are they're always, they always seem to come from such tough backgrounds, right? And, And so know that whatever your challenges are or your obstacles, those can actually be your greatest things to get you forward. And those were the things that just motivated me to to, to just help people and say, Hey, we can all do this. And, and enough women don't support other women. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and I know that we all get in there to support our family, especially in the hair business. Most of these women are, are single moms or, you know, their, their second incomes to, you know, supplement their husbands and they have the family and we think, Oh, well, I'm going to be a hairdresser. So I'm going to have, I can set my own schedule and, and I'm going to make all this money. Um, but it doesn't work that way unless you're strategic about it. Mm. You end up being a slave to your business and working 14, 16 hour days and you actually don't see your family. And when you figure out you worked all those hours for the amount of money you made, you actually sometimes make less than minimum wage. Wow. Is that right? Wow. I don't, I don't know enough yeah. about this industry. So this is interesting. So you help them yeah. not just figure out their why, then you get strategic. You have something that you like to call the trifecta. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's business, mindset and lifestyle. And you have to have the right mindset that you can do it. And so we work on that overcoming obstacles of doubt and fear and all those things that were pre programmed with like something my grandpa said could have immediately put me down a completely different path. Mm -hmm, It's true. If I would have bought into that story. So it's choosing the stories we choose to believe or changing them to benefit us. So in my case, it actually worked. Then it's the business, right? You've got to do the work. You can watch The Secret a million times, but if you don't put any action behind it, you know, nothing's going to change. I promise. I've tried that. It doesn't work. (laughs) So, you know, there's, there's tons of motivational quotes now all over Instagram and all of these things and, you know, have your hustle on and all this. And that's all great. But you got to put the sweat equity in there and it's not going to happen overnight like these instant millionaires we see on there and all these vacations people are taking and, you know, you try to compare yourself to it. So we work a lot on that, that, Mm. hey, there's work in there somewhere. They've got a lot of credit card debt, one of the two. (laughs) And then the third is your lifestyle, Mm -hmm. which is to me the most important. It's defining what lifestyle do you want? What do you want your days to look like? How much time do you want to spend with your family? How much time do you want to spend at work? And being 
making sure that that's your values and not something else. Cause that's one thing I've struggled with. Is this what Helena wants or is this what society or my mm. family tells me I should want? So good. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a constant fight because sometimes I'll set goals or benchmarks for myself and I'll think, wait a minute, that's not my, that's not my thing. Mm. Where did that come from? And why am I like with the franchising, you know, um, was that something I wanted to do or did I feel pressure from the outside to do that? And I thought, wait a minute, that doesn't serve me right now. And what's most important. So we go a lot onto your lifestyle to mm -hmm. make sure that you're hitting whatever that definition is for you and being okay with that. It's not all a white picket fence and an SUV in the driveway. That's okay. If that's not your thing. Right. So good. And Helena, where do yeah. you see your company going in the next five years? What's your vision for it? Well, my vision is to um, have one retail location, which would be the one in Solana Beach, and then working 90% with the salon owners and anybody really in retail and launching their business. I started with the salon industry because that's what I'm most known in, but really all of these things um, go over multiple industries. As I said, I started with auto repair mm -hmm. and the things that made me successful in that are the same things that are making me successful in the salon and which will make me successful in the thought leadership space. The basic skill set for leadership and running a business are all the same. And what are they? What would, what, what are they, what you just talked about business mindset and lifestyle? Yeah. Is that, is it the trifecta? Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, sure. Love it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about mindset because we talk a lot about that on the show. What is the mindset? So somebody's l listening to this right now and they're thinking, oh my goodness, I feel so inspired by what Helene is saying. And that's me. I've got that passion. I'm clear on my values. You know, I'm putting in the hours. W let's talk about what is that mindset though? If they're, maybe that's the shift that needs to happen for them right now. What would that shift be? For, for me, it's, it's putting positive, um, positive thoughts and energy in my mind. And what I mean by that is every morning I have the same ritual where I get up, I journal for a little while about what's going on in my mind to get it out. Mm -hmm. I visualize and think about where did those thoughts come from and are they true or not? Because sometimes we have thoughts that doesn't make them right or, or true. Um, and then I read and I've been doing that for years. I read for half an hour every single morning, making myself better, putting positivity in. And the best thing I can say to that is one time my daughter and I, before she left for school, we were traveling to Fresno and we're in the car driving and we're listening to some motivational tapes from Jim Rohn, one of my other favorite thought leaders. Mm -hmm. And she says, mom, you've listened to this, you know, tape like eight times. Why are you doing it again? And I said, every time I listen to that, I'm in a different place. There's so much negativity out there with mm -hmm. the news, with the newspapers, media, and all of that. I'm just feeding all of this good stuff because I get beat up every day when I go into the store with something going on with the employees, customers, vendors, whatever, right? Lots of things just at you all the time. This is, this is mindset food, so it's really just feeding positivity and controlling what you allow in. And, and, I, and I taught her that at a very young age. I, I would tell her, I said, now you're going to spend the night at your friend's house and you know what movies we allow and don't. 
So let me tell you, whatever you put into your mind, you can't take back out. Mm. It's in there somewhere. Love it. Now go have a good time at your friend's house. (laughs) 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 After I guilt tripped her, you know, before she left. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. Okay. So why don't you um, share some of your favorites? You've mentioned Jim Rohn, Brendan Bouchard. Why don't you list some of your favorite, uh, either like the audio tapes and then or favorite books? Let's give some resources to the women listening. Sure. And for the women that are starting out with their businesses and and right on the fence, that E-Myth was an amazing book. I don't remember the author's name, but uh, there's the E-Myth and the E-Myth Revised. And it really goes over the different points of owning a job or really owning a business, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of things we go into in depth in the seven-figure salon. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we all get trapped into that where we actually own a job. We really don't own a business. Mm -hmm. So that was really great, especially for technicians, people in hair, you know, or Mm -hmm. bakers, anybody that technically does something, um, there's a shift. And that book was really great for that. Um, Also, I'm so old school. It was Robert Kawasaki with Rich Dad, Poor Dad Mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that just left a huge impression on me um, about the different mindsets that there's that poor mentality and then the wealthy mentality. Mm -hmm. And I reread these books probably every couple of years. Um, The Richest Man in Babylon was a fabulous fable, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of what other ones that I loved. and then Jim Rohn, all of his, I've, I've consumed all of his Zig Ziglar. I saw him at the Cow Palace. So going also to different events, those things you just leave there just so ready to go. But the thing is, you've got to keep the momentum up when you get home, which is for myself, having those rituals to where I keep that fire burning. Because that's what happens is you have this motivation, but what do you do when the motivation runs away, Mm -hmm. right? You go to an event, you get all inspired, like where we met, right? So we meet at this, this women's event, everybody's sharing all these great things. And then you go home and it's like, what am I going to do? Right. So that's where coaching and stuff can come into play because they keep you accountable and on track to the things that you said you wanted to do when you were motivated. And you keep doing them now that you're not as motivated Mm -hmm. when, when it actually hits the road. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions in a second, but um, let's talk hair. Let's talk hair because women are, you know, um, I think going through perimenopause, (laughs) there's menopause, your hair starts to thin out, Uh, hair is just like, or you have a baby and your hair is like falling out like crazy. I mean, hair, like you said, is so personal. So can you just give us, uh, you know, sort of a high-level overview of the issues around women in hair? Sure. Um, You know, as we age, our hair gets thinner and so forth. Um, Like for myself, I wear hair extensions now that I'm in my 40s. You know, your hair stops growing past a certain length. And I say, you know, adding just a little bit of hair is like an instant facelift. Mm. It costs much less. It's non-invasive. And I mean, you just become addicted to it. I think that's why hair extensions are blowing up now because it gives you this instant gratification and you can do it in, you know, less than an hour and Mm. and look and feel amazing. It's something you can replicate easily. So if you go to a traditional hair salon and they color and style your hair, right? You went, let's say you're, you know, going out on a date or something with your husband and you go get your hair blown out and you feel great. 
But then when you wash it a couple of days later, you don't know how to recreate that look. Oh, well, with hair extensions, <laughs> right? Always. Yeah, you get yeah. it. So with, yeah. with hair extensions or a wig, you can recreate that look every day. So women are coming in whether or not they have hair loss is what I'm hearing. They're coming in just for Absolutely. that boost. Yeah. So there's hair toppers. They're like, what are the different hair options that you offer? Sure. Yeah. Well, half of my business is, is just thinning hair like my mom. That's mm. really what I went after or women that are just like myself, that your hair just quits growing or it's breaking off because you've, you know, highlighted it too much and so forth. Um, so we have toppers which I use often because my grays will come in just like this little strip and I don't want to color my hair every three weeks. I don't have time. I'm, I, I just don't want to do it. So I'll wear a topper and that covers it. Plus it gives me height and volume that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, with the extensions, uh, it gives you fullness. It can give you length if you choose. Uh, so there's so many different ways you can do that. You can clip them in, you can have them permanently put in. And then of course the wigs, which are amazing because you have, you know, ready to wear hair, you shake it, put it on. And so I have a lot of women that golf, that play tennis, that their hair goes flat, they're going to the club for lunch or something, and they want to look nice. So they'll keep their wig in their bag, go into the bathroom, put their wig on, go out for lunch, and they look fabulous like their girlfriend. (laughs) I mean, you can't believe how many people do that. Yeah, it's great. Um, Can hair extensions damage your hair? So I've heard that. Is that true? What can you tell us about that? I I do believe that that's true. And so be very careful to any um, company that says our extensions don't damage. However, it can be extremely minimal. And so my motto is it's no more damaging than a hair dryer or curling iron. Mm -hmm. So I've been wearing permanent extensions for the last 10 years. What does that mean? Permanent, permanent. like they literally (laughs) just, that's it. You put them in once and that's it. Well, they're permanent to where they stay in for three to four months. Okay. So I don't take them out and in every day. Oh, so there's some you take, you put on and off every day and then others that stay in for a few months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So clip-in extensions would be something you clipped in t- today, wore all day and evening. And then when you go to bed, you would take them out. Mm-hmm. Where mine, I have them fused in and then I sleep in them, shower with them. If you catch me at Target, they're in my hair. And then every four months, our store manager here in Solana Beach, Kayla, she'll, you know, take out what I've got left and then she'll re-add new hair. And so then my hair is nice and full and thick and, and yeah, it'll stay in for up to four months. And it's very minimal damage. If they're put in properly, they're taken out properly, but we get ladies in here all the time with bald spots. They've mm-hmm. got traction alopecia mm-hmm. because the stylist that did it, this is not what they do all the time. They might do one set of extensions a month mm. where we are the reverse. We are not in normal salon. So if you came in and wanted a cut and color, we would send you next door. Mm. All we do is add hair and do extensions. So we are so keen on how to do that, that that's why our clients, they'll wear extensions maybe for a year or two. And then they don't even need extensions anymore because their hair actually becomes healthier. And that's probably part of your success. You're not trying to be everything to everyone. You niched. Right. Right. And so I feel like you have to niche. Yes. Yeah. You got ex- you you went for excellence in your area. Yes, but let me go back for one second about the niching because you really hit on something. Oh, Think please. about a doctor. Yeah. Okay. You've got general practitioner. They make good money, right? I mean, they're a doctor, they're your general doctor. But think about the specialists, the heart doctors 
the optometrist, the orthodontist. So you got your dentist that does your cleaning, but you get that orthodontist bill for your kids and you about fall over. Mm -hmm. When you niche into anything, whether it's hair, being a, a medical professional, a service provider, you can charge so much more because you're that keen into what you do. You are an expert at that. You're not just a general, well, I kind of know a little bit of everything. Oh, your stomach hurts. Well, maybe try this, maybe try that. No. When you get to the person that knows what made your stomach hurt, that person knows how to fix that problem, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. So that makes a big difference in whatever you decide to do. Don't be a general. Don't be a jack of all trades. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm excellent at the few things I know. High five to you. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's right, Helena. That's right. So, um, Helena, how do you define success? That's a great question. Um, for myself, it's um, just making sure that I'm happy and in, in balance, that I feel like every day I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, whether that's, you know, making it to the gym that day or, you know, time with my team. But that I'm moving forward, I'm progressing, and um, and that I just feel good. Um, I I already asked, so I usually ask, do you have a morning or evening routine that fosters your success? Is there anything you would add to what you told us about with the journaling? Your little um, your morning routine? Or evening? No, yeah. I, I would say the morning routine for me is the most important because it really sets up my day. Yeah. And you'll all, as you know me, if I didn't have my morning, if I didn't get my morning routine in, I'm a completely different person. It really centers me and grounds me mm. um, that I know that I got that time for me. That's mm. very important to me. Uh, the evening routine, I do have one, but, you know, life happens. And sometimes in the evenings, if I have to stay at the store late or I've got phone calls or my fiance wants to do something, I, I don't get that one. So the morning one is, is like gold to me. Yeah. And what time do you get up? Uh, about 6.30. Okay. So you get up and you just go right into it. I go right into it. I do my vis visualization while I'm still laying there in the bed. Mm -hmm. Then I get up. I make my coffee every morning like clockwork. Mm -hmm. And while the coffee's brewing, I'm, you know, stretching, doing whatever. And then I, when it's done, I go sit down on the couch and I read for 30 minutes. I set my timer. And even if the phone's going off or something, I'll even text my mom and say, I'm reading now, you know, and, and so then I'll get right back to it. And then when that's done, then I go shower and get ready for my day. Love it. Your mom must be so proud of you. Oh, thank you. I think she is. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, what would your 80 year old self tell you about life? Don't sweat the small stuff. And some decisions you'll just wish you would have made sooner that they were the right decision. I just wish I would have decided it a little sooner. Mm, trust yourself. Yeah, I love that. Um, mm -hmm. Can mm -hmm. you, yeah, can you please leave the women listening with your three best tips for living a good life? Well, like I said, I'm super passionate about um, making sure that I'm on my path. That's one reason I spend that time in the morning. That would be my best tip, especially as a mom mm. and, and just being really centered in what is important to me and making sure that my time and my uh, money reflects that, Love where it. my money goes. Love yeah, it. that would be my, that's my best, 
I don't have three. That that it's number right one, two, three. Happy. <laughs> yeah, that that's the biggest one. <laughs> Sometimes the simplest yeah. advice is the best. I love it. It's very focused. Thank you, um, Helena. Yeah. Where can people learn more about you and your salon, Strut Hair Solutions? Sure. So they can visit us at struthairsolutions.com. And we have a blog on there where we talk a little bit about hair. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and anything if they're, you know, suffering with um, thinning hair, hair loss, damaged hair, we can help them with that. And then if they own a business, thinking about starting a business, the sevenfiguresalon.com is all about the coaching programs, our mastermind. We do hold live events. Uh, where we do hands-on, but anybody can benefit from our mastermind. The um, hands-on training is for stylists because that's more about actually how to, um, what's the word, how to bring wigs into your business or hair extensions. Love it. Um, This has been Mm -hmm. such a pleasure. I love your story and I'm so grateful that you came on today to share it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so grateful you had me and, and that I met you. You're just a wonderful uh, woman, and I felt the same way, your energy. And I think I came up to you after your presentation. It was awesome. And everything you said, I was super pumped um, listening to your story and, and what you do for people. We need more like us. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you so much, Helena. <laughs> you're welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And if you know of someone who would benefit from the information, I hope you'll take a minute to share it with a friend. All of the show notes can be found over at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash zero five nine. And while you're there, I'd love to invite you to join my weekly newsletter where you'll hear from me every Wednesday with my favorite takeaway from the week's episode, as well as other information and tips to help you live your best life. You'll also receive as a thank you 52 self-care tips, one idea for every week of the year. Thanks as always for joining me and I look forward to reconnecting next Wednesday. Bye for now.